we come before you in that name. No other name we bow before you, Lord, in, but in the name of Jesus Christ. We come because of his merits and because of what he has done, we come. We pray that you might speak, oh God, through your word. Pray once again, like you have done in the past, use weak men, use a weak woman, Lord, to communicate truth, we pray. May your Holy Spirit move powerfully, not only upon the speaker, but on the hearer as well. Move powerfully, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Do you know, um, Alexander the Great... Alexander the Great was 32 years old when he died. But before he died, he conquered most of the known world. And he died at 32. Napoleon, Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. He was a French commander and a French king. He said these words. There's only one, there's only one thing in the world... And that is to keep acquiring money and more money, power and more power. All the rest is meaningless. These men were huge figures in our history. Alexander the Great, Napoleon Bonaparte, huge figures in our history. But they did not know what this king the king of Israel knew. What they knew and what they did was huge in our history, but they did not know what this man knew. And so we're going to look at it this morning, and I entitled this, um, it's not the full title, Standing in His Presence. We'll, we'll find out a little bit more. Or Standing in His Holy Place. That's the real title of this message. But let's look at the first heading, the owner. And the first thing that David knew, that these great men did not know, the first thing that David knew is probably one of the most important things you can grasp. If you get this, if you understand this, then you will be on your way and moving in the right direction. Well, what is it? Well, David knew this. First one. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You see, those high mountains you see out there in our world, Everest, K2, these mountains are over 23 feet, thousand feet high. They're huge. The question is, who do, they, who do they belong to? The Bible says they belong to the Lord. You see those magnificent waterfalls, blue nine falls, the angel falls, the Niagara falls. Some of us have never seen them. We may have heard about them or maybe seen them on TV, but they are huge and wonderful places to visit. Who do they belong to? Who owns 
these mighty fools. Well, the Bible say the Lord owns them. How about rivers? Do you know the longest river is the Amazon River? River. It stretches over 6,992 kilometers long. You would think, well, what is that? Well, the River Thames is 350 kilometers long. This river is over 37,000 kilometers long. There's a River Nile. There's a river in the Congo that's really long. These rivers are huge. The question is, who owns these rivers? The Bible will say, they're owned by the Lord. Well, look at what Job says. Job um, has something to say. And he says this. This is God speaking. And God says, who has a claim against me? that I must pay. Everything under heaven belongs to me. Who has a claim? Who can come to me and say, God, you owe me something. God says, everything, everything under heaven belongs to me. That's what the Lord says. Now, the man who worships, now, the thing is, something that people do not know, that the Lord also owns you. He owns you as well as everything else. The man who worships God, the man who comes on a Sunday morning and sings worship to the Lord, the woman who prays and seeks God, God owns her. But the man or the woman who hates God, the man who shakes his fist at God and says, I don't love you, I don't know you, that man, he is owned by God as well. You see, most people think that because they can say, I don't believe in God. They think because they can say that, it means that God vanishes. He disappears. Because I don't believe him, because I don't pray to him, it means that he doesn't exist. The truth is, everything under heaven belongs to him including men, women, and children. They all belong to God. You belong to God. Your house belongs to God. Your bank balance belongs to God. Your children belongs to God. Everything you own belongs to the Lord. Because he says everything, not just some things, but everything under heaven belongs to me. But I hear someone complain. I hear someone saying to me, ah, yes, but um, I, I can't accept that. You see, one, I don't believe in your God. But two, I'm a self-made man. I pulled myself up by my own shoestrings. I've worked hard. I've done these things. And another woman might say, well, I'm a self-made woman. I make my own luck. I don't believe in your God. I hear men and women saying that all the time. But let's take them back to the word of God. Look what he says. If it were his intention, if it was God's intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all mankind will perish together, and man would return to the dust. This is what the Bible says. If God intended to, he would say, that breath you have belongs to me. 
divine intention, that spirit you have that makes you move around and, and do what you do, it belongs to me. I'm going to call it back. What can man say then? How can he resist? What power do you have? When you turn around and say, it's my life, I can do what I want. What power have you have when God says, if I will, I will call back your breath. And the reason why he can do that, because you and I belong to God. Well, what ought to be our response to this? I mean, it's true. Everyone who sits before me will turn around and say, well, God says he owns the whole thing and I believe it. And I can believe that he owns me as well. So what would I do with this truth? Well, the thing you need to do is to change your desires. Let's go on and see what I mean. Because I'm going to my, I spoke about the owner, and, and God is the owner. Now, he's also something else. The Bible says that he's a, he's a savior as well. And many people have to change their desires. You see, many people have different desires. There's something called um, the bucket list. You might have heard that before, that terminology, the bucket list. What that is, is that um, before you die, you will have a list of things that you want to do in life. Before you kick the bucket. Maybe you might want to climb one of those huge mountains. Maybe you want to sail on one of those long rivers. But there's something you want to do before you die. And you have a desire to do it. I can remember being a young teenager and... And as a young teenager, I, I, I went to, um, I think it was Wembley, because the Harlem Globetrotters was playing. Those of you don't know who the Harlem Globetrotters are, they were a basketball team. And I went there to watch them play, and I was sitting there, and I, and, and I had a desire. I wish I was one of those six feet eight black guys, instead of a five foot something black dude, sitting there. That's my desire. And then at half time, me and my friend jumped over the barrier and ran on the court because we thought we could beat Harlem Globetrotters ourselves. But the security staff had a, something to say about that. They grabbed hold of us and chucked us out of the court. But I had a desire. And there's nothing wrong in having desires. Nothing wrong with them at all, except you can't really wish that you were tall when you really saw. There's nothing wrong with having a desire. But what the Bible says is that your desires needs to be changed. David speaks of a new desire. What is David's new desire? This is what his new desire is. He puts it in a form of a question. And he says this. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy presence? Surely that's a desire that people will want. To stand. In the holy presence of God. Surely there's a desire. That desire beats standing on the highest mountain. That desire beats standing before a great waterfall. That desire beats standing on an island that is so beautiful. Standing in the presence of a holy God. Surely every 
everybody wants to stand before a wonderful God. But David turns around and says, you know, there's a problem. In order to stand before a holy God, there's a problem. And he speaks of it in the next verse. I'm going to reverse the order because he speaks of it. The first thing he speaks about is the one who does not trust in an idol. Who does not trust. If you want to stand before a holy God, first thing, you cannot trust. In an idol. Kim and I was driving through Walthamstow the, um, this week. And as we were driving through Walthamstow, we stopped outside a Hindu temple. And as I was looking, waiting for the traffic lights to change, I looked up and there, there was this crazy idol above the door. It had, it had I think it had an elephant's head. It had about six arms, a human body. And I said, look at that, that disgusting idol. And people were going in and out of this place. And, and, and some people have Buddha heads in their garden or on their mantelpiece at their home. And they touch and they pray to these things. And these are idols. But you know, idols come in many shapes and forms. Don't fool yourself. You may not have a Buddha in your garden. I hope you don't anyway. You may not have a, an item in your living room. But idol, idols come in different shapes and size. Let me say this. Now hear me. Anything, and I mean anything, you place before God becomes an idol. I believe many people in churches are full of idols. Many, even yourselves, full of idols. That's why when I was preaching last week, I was saying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I was praying, I was preaching it, and I was telling you, you need to have the Spirit of the living God fill you to overflowing. For why? Because in so many hearts, there's idols. But I can hear someone say to me, hold on, preacher, you mean to tell me that I can't love my wife more than I love God? And if I love my wife more than I love God, I'm making her into an idol? Now, your wife might like to be called an idol. But yes. You mean to tell me, pastor, that my children, the one that I love, I put their needs before my needs. I make sure they're provided for. I'm a family man. You mean that if I put my children before God, I'm making my children an idol? I have to say, if I'm a true preacher, yes. Answer me this question. Who does your wife belong to? Who does your husband belong to? Who does your children belong to? belong to. God says this. God says, don't worship them. Worship me and I will look after them. That's what God says. 
You don't need to worship your wife. You don't need to worship your husband. You don't need to worship your children. No, no, no. If you worship me, says the Lord, I will look after them. Why? Because they belong to me anyway. I will take care of them. But although idols, you see, idols have a way of robbing you from the presence of God. That's what they do. They rob you and steal you away from God's presence. That's what idols do. Who can ascend and stand in God's presence? Well, first of all, one who does not trust in an idol. The second thing is one who doesn't want or swear by what is false. Or swear by what is false. You know, you get people going to the courtroom and, and, and they give them a, a Bible or they give them a Quran or they give them the Old Testament and they stand there and they put their hands on the Bible and the Bible is not false and yet they still swear and they say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And when the Bible is taken away, all lies spill out of their mouths. There was a, a woman over in Yorkshire in February 2008. Her name was Karen Matthews. Karen Matthews appeared on TV with the police flanking her side and she was there crying and saying, my daughter's been kidnapped. My daughter's been kidnapped. And she was crying, please find my daughter, find my daughter, all of this stuff. But it came out that she was the one who kidnapped her daughter in the first place. We live in a nation of liars. Whether they find them in the president, in the White House, or we find them on the street, we live in a nation of liars. And people turn around and say, well, you know, lying is not that bad, surely. There's black lies and white lies and half-truths. Surely lying is not that bad. But listen what the Bible says. This is a shocking verse. Listen what the Bible says in Revelation. It says this, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all Liars. All liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You see, all these sins, we say, oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. All of them are terrible, but guess what? God says, I'm not happy when you don't tell the truth. I'm not happy. When you don't speak what is right. Who can ascend into the presence of God. Who can stand in his holy mountain? First of all, a person who has no idols in their life and a person who speaks what is right, swears by the truth. But David has not finished. He turns around and he says, well, I want to stand. Oh, I forgot that. The heart is deceitful above all things. I might have missed the first out. He doesn't stop there because when in the Bible he says, he who has a clean hands 
and a pure heart. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. What does that mean? Well, a man who has a clean hands and a pure heart can stand in God's... In other words, his motives and his actions agree. In his heart, he has a pure heart. And his hands, his actions are right before God. If I want to stand before the presence of God, I need to have a desire that idols are gone, have a desire that my line is done with, have a desire that my heart is pure and my hands are clean, then I can stand in the presence of God. Although we would like to say that we have clean hands, although we would like to say that we have a pure heart, the Bible will tell us different. I would like to say that your heart is clean. I would like to say that your heart is good. But the Bible tells me different. And the Bible turns around and says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's your heart and mine, you know. The Bible is describing you. It's describing me. And the Bible says that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I have to preach that. I know it's not a nice message you hear on a Sunday morning, but I have to say what God has laid on my heart. That is a description of our hearts this morning. We are living a life that is full. Maybe for some of us it's easier to lie than others. We have idols. We have a heart that is wicked. But the Bible brings some good news. Look at the next verse. They will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, their Savior. You see, God is willing to be the Savior. I want to say that again. God is willing to be your saviour. And he's willing to bless you. It's like this. God is on his holy place. In his holy mountain. That's where God is. And God is there being worshipped and being adored. Because he is holy. What does he do? I tell you what he does. He comes down to where you are. That's what he does. He comes down from his mountain. You want to get up there. You want to stand in his holy hill. But what does God do? He comes down to where you are. And when he comes down, he comes down to a place of idols. He comes down to a people of lying lips. He comes down to a people with wicked and dreadful hearts, God comes down. I hear someone say, well, why? Why does he come down? The answer is he comes down because he loves you. That's why. There's no other reason. He comes down from his holy place and he enters into the gutter of humanity. He enters into the vile place where men live their lives selfishly, self-seeking, arrogantly, and he comes down. And he did it because you cannot get to him. 
That's why he has come now. But someone will say, Pastor, he said, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. You see me every Sunday. I'm here. I'm, I'm here at a prayer meeting. I'm, 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 I'm seeking God. You know, you see me all the time. But, Pastor, when I look into my life, I still have idols. When I look, I still lie. And my, my lips still speak untruths. I look into my heart and I see wickedness there. I see evil there. I see deceitfulness there. Pastor, you know that I'm a Christian, but when I look into my life, all I see is idols and lying and wickedness. That's all I see. I'm confused. What do I need to do? Well, what you need to do, my dear friend, you need to look back at verse 7 in our Bible reading. See, in verse 7, he speaks of gates and doors. But I want to say this morning that the gate is the gate into your life. And the door is the door of your heart. And look what he says when he speaks about gates and doors. He says this. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. That the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Look what David is saying here. Open up your lights and let the Lord come in. Why? Because he's strong and he's mighty. Let him come in and look what he says. He is mighty in battle. In other words, when God comes into your life, when you allow him to come in, he will do the battle with your sinful nature. Not you. He will come in and rip those idols and put them where they should be and put himself where he should be. He will be the one to come into your life and rip the lying and the deceit out of you that you will speak with truth. He will come in. The mighty one who's able to do battle with your sinful nature. He will come in and give you a new heart. Listen to what he says. And I close with this verse. This is the Lord speaking. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Let me start again. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my Lord. Listen, it is my job, says the Lord. I will come in. Lift up your gates. Open up your doors. And the king of glory will come in. The problem with some believers is that they've got their gates closed. They only open them up on a Sunday morning and they come to church on a Sunday morning. But when Monday comes, the gates are closed again. The doors are barred. But God said, no. Lift up those gates. Keep them open. And I will come in. And see that heart? You see that wicked heart? 
that's desperately wicked and evil, I will change it. I will take it out, says God. And I will put my heart of flesh inside of you. I will put my spirit upon you. My Holy Spirit. Before you've done your own thing. But oh, no, no, no. But now I will fill you with my spirit. And my spirit will teach you to follow after me. That's what I will do, says God. Nothing to do with you. You don't can't, You cannot get up to the mountain. You cannot stand in my holy place. No, no, no. But I will come down, says God. And I will meet you in the gutter. I will meet you in the place of weakness. I will meet you in a place of sin. I will meet you in a place of ungodliness. And I will raise you up and place you in my presence. You need to have a desire change. Oh, desires are not often wrong. Some of them are terribly wrong, but they're not often wrong. You can have really good desires, but you need to change your desires now. Your desires will be, oh God. I want to stand in your presence. Oh God, I want to walk in a way where you are involved in my life and you begin to change me and mold me and make me into someone that will bring glory and praise to your name. That's what I want, oh God. Come in. I'm lifting up the gates. I'm opening up the doors. Come in, mighty one, and change me. That's my desire. That's what God wants you to have this morning. Before I pray, I'm going to ask the girls to come up because they're going to sing to us a song. You can do it now, girls. And um, we know this song, but I want them to sing it. And while they're doing it, please bow your heads with me in prayer. Father, this psalm has spoken to us about Standing in your presence. I pray, Lord, that every heart here, that you will change our desires. Our desires which focus upon this time and age and world, that we might change our desires, Lord, and seek you, knowing, oh God, that you are able. You and you alone are able to cause us to stand in your presence. And for that we give you praise. In Jesus name. Amen. I want the words to settle down on you. I've been listening to this